go to where we're going to start today over in John 11 and verse 40. Talking about the glory of God. Habakkuk 2 and verse 14, you don't need to go there, but God said that his, the knowledge of the glory of God would cover the earth even as the waters covered the sea. Even like Noah's flood wiped everything out, the glory of God is going to sweep millions into the kingdom of God. That's what he said. And so it doesn't matter what's going on in the world right now. What's about to happen? Let's go to John eleven forty. Talking about the glory of God. Romans three twenty three says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then chapter and verse twenty four says, but He restored us back. Hebrews two ten says the Captain of our salvation became perfect through the things that He suffered and restored many sons. Back to glory. John, uh, John 17, 22 says that the glory that he had, he gave it to you. It's Christ, Colossians 1, 26 says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So it's already been done, and yet it has to happen. Romans eight nineteen says that all of creation is waiting, not for Donald Trump or Justin Trudeau to straighten out the mess. All of creation is waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. You are here today. You are a son, a womb man or a man man. You are a son, a daughter of God. And God says creation is waiting for you to show up. Pause for effect. John 11, 40, that's where we were going. Jesus said unto her, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see? If you believe, now I know in the world seeing is believing, but in, in the Word of God, if you'll believe, you'll see. Whatever it is that you're dealing with that you, that you brought in here today, you can deal with it yourself. You don't need to bring it to God. You just need to believe in His finished work. You need to believe Ephesians 1, 3, that he already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. You got to believe verse 4, that he chose you in him from before the foundation of the world, that you were a chosen one. God has chosen you. You didn't choose him. Read 1 John 4. He chose you. We loved him because he first loved us. As he is, so are we in this world. I mean, it's good stuff, praise God. But he said, I told you that if you would believe, You'd see the glory. How many of you have ever seen in a church service even the glory cloud come in? Have you ever? I have. Not to the degree that I expected, but I have definitely seen it. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's go to Mark chapter 9. We were there on Thursday night. Gina Marie brought this message out on Thursday night. So. <laughs> God's timing is perfect. Now God gets the blame for everything, doesn't he? <laughs> okay, I'll agree with you. Okay. But in Mark chapter 9, we looked at this verse. And Jesus is talking. He said, Verily I say unto you, that there are some that stand here right now, which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom coming with power. So now he's going to tell you what the kingdom coming with power looks like. In the next verse, he's going to tell you what the kingdom coming with power looks like. Because it says after six days, and you can look at that two ways. Six days later in the lives of the disciples, 6,000 years later in the, day, in the days of the church, 6,000 years from creation, the same manifestation. It's like in Acts chapter 2, uh, Peter said, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. No, this was the beginning of that. The latter reign is when we're in right now. So six days, a thousand years, about a day unto the Lord. This is how it ends up, too. This is how it ends. I, if you need proof, come see me later. I'll give you enough verses to pass this test. After six days, Jesus said unto him, took unto him, rather, Peter, James, and John, and led them up into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And I'd like to point out that that mountain 
was not a mountain on this earth. As a matter of fact, Matthew's gospel says that he took him up into the mountain of his own, in the, in the Greek of his own. So he stepped off over into the realm of the spirit because that's the way Adam was. Adam could live on earth and live in the spirit. You can live on earth and live in the spirit. You can live here, you'd be seated here on a Sunday morning, and you're also seated in heavenly places in Christ. So when you're seated here, you can have to deal with things. But when you move over and sit over in the, that heavenly place, you, that position of authority where you're a priest and a king under your God, where you're a royal priesthood and a chosen generation, when you move, move over into that seat and you're seated in heavenly places in Christ, the power, the authority that you have. Ephesians chapter 1. You know, he was the head of all principality and power and might and dominion, made the head over all things to the church, which is his body, and the fullness of him fills us all in all. So if he's the head over principalities and powers in the spirit realm and might and dominion in the natural realm, and he's the head and you're the body, so are you. You're not a victim, you're a victor, but the devil would like to keep you living like a victim, living in the natural, when you're a priest and a king under your God. Oh God, please help me. No, no, I've given you, Luke 10, 19, I've given you authority to tread upon the serpent and the scorpion and over all the power, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Oh God, oh God, oh God, help me. He's, he's seated. Hebrews 1.13, Hebrews 10.13. He's seated expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. What are we supposed to be doing? Seated expecting our enemies to be made our footstool. The only labor that I'm to be involved in is Hebrews 4.11. Labor to enter into my rest. How God, how God. The, my word is alive. My word is powerful. My word is sharper than a two-edged sword, separating the soul, the spirit, the joints, the marrow, discern the thoughts, the intents of the earth. He said, I'm telling you how to labor into my rest is get into the word and live there. John 6, 63, my words are spirit and they are life. I can't, you might have life and have it more abundantly. Trust in the word with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge the word and the word will direct your steps. Ooh. Hallelujah. So after six days, he took them up and he led them up into that mountain of prayer. And he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white like snow. And so, and like a fuller on earth, washed them or bleached them. And of course, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah and everything like that, because over in the spirit realm, that's where they were. Moses representing the righteous dead, and Elijah representing those that are alive and remain to be caught up. Meet the Lord in the air. Matthew chapter 17. Do you find this exciting or do you find this boring? <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, you find out who you are. After six days, Matthew chapter 17, and verse 1. Same story, different details. Matthew 17, 1. After six days, Peter, James, and John, his brother, brought them up into a high mountain apart, a mountain of his own, and he was transfigured. That's the word metamorpho or metamorphosis. The same word that's used when Romans 12, 2, when it says that you're to be transformed by renewing your mind by the word of God. He's saying the more word you put in you, the more the transformation has taken place in your life, whether you feel it or whether you don't, there is a transformation going on on the inside of you right now, and the caterpillar will fly. And if you can't see anything right now, you could be in the cocoon. <laughs> and you're kicking and struggling. But the kick and the struggle gives you the strength. I remember one time reading about a guy, monarch butterflies are so cool, they leave here, they'll be leaving here in September. They're going to fly from here all the way to Mexico, that little tiny monarch butterfly, and they can fly at six kilometers in the air, all the way from here to Mexico. And they're bitter to the taste for birds because they eat milkweed. It makes them bitter so that the birds leave them alone. 
And so if people are treating you bitter, don't be alarmed. It's saving your life. So they, they, they fly all the way down there. And it's so amazing to me. One guy that was studying the monarch butterflies decided that he would help them out by slitting the cocoon. So they came out, sure enough, they stretched their wings and everything and looked like every other monarch butterfly, but they couldn't fly because they didn't develop any strength in the struggle. The process of your life involves struggle. If you, if, unless you just got born, unless, if you've been alive a little while, you must know by now that shift happens. Shifting from one situation to another. So there's something big going on on the inside of you. And the struggle is real, but the struggle is good. He said, in this world you have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world for you. Be in me and be in peace. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rules of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So your, your battle is in the spirit, not in the natural. Don't be fighting with natural people. Pray over them and declare the word of God over them. Expect God to make the change. He will. He said, you know, I think it's Isaiah 33. He said, you will live in a peaceful habitation. If you're not living in peace, then it's up to you to take authority over whatever it is going on in and around you until the peace comes. How long will it take? He said they overcame by the word of their test, the, the, the word of God, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. In other words, I'm in this to the death. I'm in it to win it. I'm not a victim anymore. I am a victor. Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph in Christ. If it doesn't look like I'm winning now, keep watching. I will be in the winner's circle. Amen. Amen. Say amen to that. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. He was transfigured before them. His face did shine like the sun, and his raiment was white like light. I have been around Christians more spiritual than me that I've seen the light radiate out of their faces from time to time. Vicki Jameson Peterson is a reminder to me sometimes. I would look at her. One day we checked her into the hotel. I checked her into the hotel. We were talking about stuff, nothing to do with God. Next thing, I'm sliding down the wall toward the carpet. I said, I can't pass out here. I'm in another woman's hotel room. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost power was that strong. And, and she traveled the world and never saw anything other than the inside of a hotel room. You pick her up at the airport, she goes to the hotel room. If she's preaching for you for a week, she stays in that hotel room for a week. That's why she comes out with such power. Where she did, she's in heaven now. She ran out on us. Vicki, if you're watching, we're upset with you. Yeah, tell Ed Dufresne and others. <laughs> Monty Lewis. <laughs> he ran out, Monty. Anyway. No, sometimes they get a glimpse of heaven, they won't come back. He was transfigured before them. His face did shine. His raiment was white, like it even affected his clothing, right? And the Bible says in Isaiah 60 that his glory shall be seen upon you. But again, I want to emphasize, we're not looking for the experience. We're building that relationship and expecting that these things are, are going to be the normal. And I cannot touch it with my flesh because if my ego gets involved, I'll start thinking I'm something. You know, and that's the danger of all of this. He must, like John the Baptist said, he must, I must decrease so that he can increase. We want people to see him. He's the one that every, every knee's going to bow and every tongue going to confess. He's the one. If you get a crown, it will, like the 24 elders, they just took him off and threw them at his feet. Because they, they knew where the where the crown belonged, right? I mean, every good any good thing that you do, it, it came from him, <laughs> right? So anyway, so he, he, they appeared, and then there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then answered Peter and said, "Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. 
Let's just build three tabernacles right here. Let's pitch three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. In other words, let's just stay here. And, of course, it wasn't his turn to speak, but Peter was famous for that. So in verse 5, while he yet spoke, behold, look at this, the glory cloud coming. Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of that cloud said, Peter, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. In other words, Peter, we don't want to hear hear from you right now. (laughs) We love you, but you got some things to deal with later on in your life, right? No, he was like most Christians, you know. In Matthew 16, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barajona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. You got a revelation from my Father. A couple of verses later, you don't need to go to the cross, Jesus. He got puffed up because, because he, you know, I got some revelation. No, so now I'm going to direct Jesus. I'm going to tell Jesus what he's going to do next. And Jesus turned to him and said, get thee behind me. Come on, how many of you have never? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. I know we've been there before. It's a good spot to land. In verse 1, I wrote my margin, something has to die for there be a resurrection. And it starts in the year that King Uzziah died. Every one of us in this room probably has a King Uzziah. Something that gets between you and hearing from God. And um, when that dies, in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I got revelation. I saw the Lord. Sit. Can you imagine? I saw the Lord sitting on high. Uzziah was the king for, like, I think 53 years. He was a, you know, so Isaiah had spent a lot, a lot of time with him. But when he died, revelation came. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. He covered his face with two. He flew with two. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he did fly. There are creatures that you might have saw in Star Wars. But these guys, matter of fact, some of them I read about, they had four faces. Face of an eagle face. Like, like you know, turn around and want to talk to the other guy. Right? <laughs> no, no, like these are, like, is it, people said, is there any life out in space? I said, well, I know God's out there, and he's got a whole lot of stuff you haven't seen before. So he saw God. Let's read on. And and one, one angel said to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth, look at this, is full of his glory. This was in Isaiah chapter 6. So it is... But it's yet to be. It's everything, everything is complete in the spirit realm already. Like you are complete in him who's the head of all principality and power. Colossians 2.10 says that you're already complete in him. But then the process of walking out that completeness, he'll lead, you are righteous, but he'll lead you in a path of righteousness. So in the spirit, it's finished. And God doesn't, God, time to God is like this watch. He can look at it, but he doesn't live in it. He, he sees the Garden of Eden. He's already been to the book of Revelation. And he sees the whole thing at the same time. He, he sees, you know, he sees your end while you're still sitting here. He sees your new beginning when you meet with him again in heaven. He's got the whole deal. No, but it's all... He knows how many hairs are on your head. Think about that, though. How many fell out in the hairbrush this morning? But he knows. Keeps your tears in a bottle. Why did he use that for an illustration? To let you know that he feels everything that you feel. That he was tempted in all points like as you were, yet without sin, so that he could think about this. He, he ever lives 
Job said, oh, if I only had an intercessor, if I only had a daysman that would come between me and God. And my Bible says that Jesus ever lives. His ministry on earth moved to heaven, and he ever lives to make intercession for me. Huh? You got Jesus praying for you. Don't tell me your prayers are going to fail. Don't, because he, he, he cannot fail. Love never fails. You can't fail. It's impossible for you to fail if you just continue. If you continue in my word, you will be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And the more truth you know, the freer you get. If you don't know a little bit of truth, then you get a little bit of freedom. But the responsibility is yours. Study to show yourself approved. Don't be conformed to this world, but transformed by renewing your mind by the word of God to prove the good the acceptable, the perfect will of God for your life. Every day you can prove it. Hallelujah. Prove it. Come on, prove it. <laughs> he said the whole earth would be filled with his glory. And the posts of the door moved. And the water spilt all over the podium. <laughs> the place was filled with smoke. Then I said, oh, praise the Lord. This is awesome. No, no, no. And I've experienced this on several occasions. A revelation of him makes me apologize. Doesn't matter if I did anything wrong. I've had the presence of God come on me so strong that the very first words out of my mouth are, I'm sorry, God. Because he's so holy that it just, just makes you realize. <laughs> it makes you realize. He said, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm helpless, I'm hopeless without you. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm in a church that's the same way. This was him talking. Not me. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal out of the, in his hand that he had taken with tongs off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, lo, he touched my lips with the fire of God, touched with the fire of God and cleansed, because our God is a consuming fire. He's cleaning you up all the time. His word will clean you up all the time. And like I said on Facebook the other day, you know, how you know you're saved compared to somebody that's not saved? A sheep and a pig fall in the mud. The sheep doesn't like it. It doesn't bother the pig at all. So the conviction that you feel when you're wrong is proof that you're right. <laughs> the conviction that you feel when you're wrong proves that you're right. That you have a right relationship with God, that the conviction will come. Not shame, not guilt, the conviction. Hey, I need, I need to, and, and, and I don't need to say, well, that's it, God, I'm not ever going to do that again. Have you ever said that? Huh? Don't say that. Because for sure, as you said it, but if you say, Lord, I've been struggling with this. How are we going to handle this? Casting all of your care upon him because he cares for you. All of a sudden now the care is gone and you and he are going to work on it. It's like, Lord, give me more patience. Did anybody ever pray that? I prayed when I was a younger Christian. No, I did. I prayed that when I was a younger Christian. I would never pray that again in my life. Those that are laughing know why. He said, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Verse 8. And he said, I am here. Send me. And this is, this is what the glory is going to do. The glory is going to bring in the harvest. And the glory is going to move people out into the community. And, you know, God's going to use the gifts of the Spirit like he did in the early church to operate through you, words of wisdom and knowledge and things like that. Not like in, sometimes in the church you can get some of that, but, like, you know, I don't need anybody to call me up to the front and say, does the name Gary mean anything to you? Does the day January the 10th mean anything to you? Yes, yeah, my birthday, and my name is Gary. But, but I don't need God to tell me that. Psychics could tell me that. Psychics have been doing that for centuries. What I need 
is the Word of God. Now, if you're out in the community and you're operating in the gifts of the Spirit and those kind of things happen, that's a different deal altogether. But if you're going to church wanting a word from God, I got one for you. I've got a word from God for you right here. You've been getting it ever since you sat down. <laughs> oh, God, reveal something to me. Isaiah chapter 60. No, no, I was in a meeting one time and I saw this guy. It was, uh, it was Dennis Dorrington. Dennis Dorrington got called out by a speaker, and the guy began to talk to him about driving a school bus, which Dennis does. Later, I noticed when I was talking to Dennis, I looked down at his belt buckle, and there was a school bus on the belt buckle. And I thought, hmm. Now, I do, please don't get me wrong. This, this is, we're talking, these things are legitimate and they're counterfeit. You got to know the difference between the two. And if, you're, and if you're off seeking a word, the devil will make sure that you get one. Oh, God, give me a word. Give me a word. Study to show yourself approved. You know, I love you. I tell you on chapter after chapter, I love you. What more do you need to know? Amen? Okay. Arise and shine. I remember my mother used to say that, rise and shine. I didn't know it came from the Bible. I don't know if she did either, but there it is. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And I've shared this with you before. We were down in some caverns in Virginia, and uh, I asked the lady, how those caverns were formed, and she said they used to be full of water. Well, when you read uh, Genesis chapter 2, you find out that before it ever rained, the whole planet was watered from beneath. And so those caverns, were, you can find them all over the world. But when Noah's flood happened, the Bible says that the water came down and the water came up. And that's good news because when the glory comes down, the glory also, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is coming down and coming up. I'm going to cover the earth. So he said, the glory of the Lord is risen, not fallen, risen upon you. Behold, a darkness shall cover the earth and a gross darkness. Now look at verse 2. It's got gross darkness at the start of the verse and glory at the latter part of the verse. Total contrast. But yet two things happening simultaneously. The gross darkness, the world's getting darker and darker and darker. And, and, and in the middle of all that, God's glory is going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. No, but it's progressive. It's progressive darkness and it's progressive glory. Simultaneous movements here. Darkness on the people. And God's glory shall be seen. Everybody say seen. And on me. And the Gentiles, or the Goyim, G-O-Y-E-M, the nations. The Gentiles, the nations shall come to your light. Because the darker it gets, the more people want to get around the light. Matter of fact, I had to get Nancy to shut off the outdoor light and the lights last night so that I could see the stars. But out where we live, when you shut the lights off, there's way more stars out there than there are in the city. Not really, same stars, right? So the darker it gets, the brighter your light's going to shine. That's why when you're praying over these next days and weeks, pray for the church. The church really needs to wake up at this time. We're moving into our finest hour, and we're all running and hiding. Time to, vote and time to be a voice. The Gentiles will come to your life. The kings will come. These are influential people, people of influence. You, you know, I used to be impressed with people of, of higher education. I really was, I, because I didn't go to university. And I thought, wow, that's really something. And when I see how, not when I see the world operating the way that it's operating right now, and some of its finest minds are like, like, you know, a goofy from a child's cartoon. Like you can't believe that anybody could be that stupid and still breathe air. Like, like that kind of stuff. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, read what they're saying. No, I don't. And so influential people don't have the answer. Lift up, lift up your eyes now. How many of you heard Mel Gibson talking about Hollywood? Oh, God. Who knew how wicked that place was? Lift up your eyes now round about and see. They'll gather themselves together and they'll come to you. What about my family, Lord? Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you will see and flow together. And your heart will reverence or fear, be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea, the Gentile nations, shall be converted unto you. And in the King James, it says forces, lots of translations say financial resources of the Gentiles will come unto you. Why? Because harvest costs a lot of money. And so a lot of money's coming to you. Amen. I said a lot of money's coming to you. The wealth of the wicked is laid up in store for the just. What do you have to do to qualify? The wealth of the wicked is laid up in store for the just. I've been justified by faith, and I've got right standing with God my Father through my Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I am qualified. Now, you don't handle money very well. I, he didn't say. Anyway, he said the wealth of the wicked is laid up in store for the just. I don't believe that prosperity gospel. Well, then when the money comes to you, bring it to me because I'm a believer. Okay. That's just covetous. No, that's just wisdom. Okay, 2 Corinthians 4, please. I'll give you a clue, though. If you don't like it when people talk about money in church, it's, just, it's because it's your God. It doesn't matter how much you have. You can have no money at all and be a lover of money. Because you think that if you had some more money, you could get your problems fixed. You know, I was an alcoholic and a drug addict, and the more money I got, the bigger my problems became. <laughs> it didn't help me out. I was still eating craft dinner. No, no, I would go into the supermarket, and when you come to that doll with the craft dinner, I'd just take my arm and scoop it in the thing. And then I'd get some hamburger and some other things to chuck in it, but... The reason why I bought that, it wasn't because I was, I was at, that, at that point, I was making good money working on oil rigs. But I was drug, drugged all the time. So my money went to my God. Payday, I would go to the Stakenstein. And that was my, the rest of the money was, no, to me, that was up, upper class restaurant. <laughs> good to know where you came from. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1 says, therefore, now we need to go back to chapter 3 and find out what the therefore is there for. Right? Chapter 3 and verse um, 13, Moses had a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look upon his face. Come on, the glory of God can be seen and can be covered up. But the veil, I think it's interesting, I like to point out the veil here because the veil was rent when Jesus was crucified and rose from the grave. So the veil that was over Moses, the lawgiver, is the same veil that's over them today, but, but the veil, as far as we are concerned, has been removed. Right? The veil that was put up in Genesis chapter 3 to keep Adam and Eve out of the, prom out of the promises land, out of the Garden of Eden. The veil was rent when Jesus rose from the grave. You now have access to the Garden of Eden. You do. It's not a physical place. Now it's in your heart. You sow the Word of God in your heart, and you protect it with the sword that guarded the garden back then. Only now the sword is the sword of the Spirit, which is in your mouth. And so you plant seeds of the Word of God in your heart, and then you protect it with the sword to keep the enemy out of your garden. Right? Can you see that? There was a sword back then. There's a sword now, but it's in, it's in your mouth. On the weapons of your warfare. In your mouth, a sharp two edged sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When I speak the Word of God, the enemy has to get out of my way. Can't get in my heart, can't get in my garden. Can he get in my head? Yeah, I, I've got all kinds of things going on in my head sometimes. But I guard my heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. 
My heart is what I need to protect. Negative thoughts come. It's like Kenneth E. Hagin used to say, my birds will fly over your, hair, over your head all day long. Don't let them build a nest in your hair. In other words, he said negative thoughts will come. They come to everybody. You're living in a negative world. But don't let them get in your heart. Amen? Don't let them get in your mind because then when they get in your mind, you talk about them. When you talk about them, that's when they get in your heart. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? What shall we put on? Consider the birds. Amen. So he said, the veil is taken away. Nevertheless, verse 16, when they shall turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. In other words, where the Spirit of God is in control of your life, you're living in freedom. And what's happening? What's happening while this is going on? See, because the goal, is total, the goal of your life is total transformation. An unveiled face. He said, but we all with an open face, an unveiled face. Hmm. Behold is in a glass the glory of God and are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. So I think what he's saying to me is I need to be looking at his face. And how I look at his face is the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The only way that I can, the only way that I can know Jesus is know his thoughts. I have the thoughts of a genius in a book here. If I want the mind of a genius, it's available to me because he wrote it down. Changed by the Spirit of God. So then then when you get to chapter 4, you understand the therefore, because it shouldn't be a chapter, should it? Continuation of the same thought. Seeing we have this ministry of being changed from glory to glory to glory. We, We have received mercy and we don't but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully but by a manifestation of the truth commending ourselves every man's con- to every man's conscience in the sight of God for if this gospel is hidden it's hidden from those that are lost in whom the God of this world has blinded the, the minds of them which believe not lest the, this is the part Bless the light of this glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, shall shine upon them. This glory, it's, in the Greek, it's the word doxa. It's majesty. It's excellence. It's power. It's honor. It's wealth. It's all of that. God's glory is his presence, his power, his anointing. Everything that he is, kabod in the Greek simply means heavy, weighty. Heavy, weighty with everything that's good that God is, is yours. That's why in Acts chapter 2 when it says the, whole, the, the, the spirit came with cloven tongues as a fire and sat upon each of them, it tells me that it was a heavy, weighty experience. So much so that it diffused their minds and they got so drunk in the spirit that they fell out into the street at 9 o'clock in the morning and began to prophesy all over the place. And they were accused of being drunk. I'm looking forward to services. We've had some. We've had some where you had to take people out in office chairs because they couldn't walk. And it was wonderful. But there's more. Why does God want you out of your mind? Do you have to ask? (laughs) The thoughts that go on in there? You can't be led by your head. Really, really, you can't, you can't allow your mind to direct your life. It's like you can't, you know, it's like I said to this guy just recently. I said, if you're not controlling your thoughts, who is? Because the way we were designed, we don't have original thoughts. So whatever I think, I got from somewhere. And, and I know by now that there's only two sources, CNN or God. No, no, no. The world, I'm amazed at how many Christians will sit around and watch the news and believe it, and yet they'll come into a church service and almost believe a word they hear. You're going to believe those liars. How many, they are a bunch 
a bunch. They are a whole bunch of liars. There's no truth in them. Anyway. <laughs> if you're watching, you're a newscast, you're a liar. Okay. Oh, do you know what they said? Yeah, I know right now there's one COVID case in Nova Scotia, and they're trying to make everybody wear a mask. Like, I would say, do we look that stupid? But apparently we do. Be nice, Gary. Okay. Verse 6. For God, for God commanded the light to shine out of darkness and shine in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, the light of the glory. And again, that's Genesis 1, 2, and the, the, world was, the, the world became, when you read Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, it says, and the earth became tohu vabohu in the Hebrew. It became without form and void. It wasn't created that way. God doesn't create junk. It, was, it became without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. But the Spirit of God hovered upon the face of the water. And when it gives you the picture of, look it up in your Hebrew concordance, look it up. It gets the, gives you the idea of something being incubated. It's kind of like when the Word of God goes in you. It, it's like a seed. And, and how, how, about, how, about a, how, how about an egg? How, how about it's an egg? And it's inside of you. And, and, and as, as it's being incubated, it starts to form on the inside. And the next thing you know, it's growing feet, and growing wings and popping feathers, and finally it's kicking until it comes out. That's what the Word of God will do on the inside of you. It'll just keep kicking and moving until it punches out of the spirit realm and manifests in the natural realm. How long will it take? I don't know. I know it in the Philippines it took a duck. They eat ducks over there. Uh, Baluk. They incubate them for 18 days. It takes 21 days for it to become a duck. They wait 18 days and eat it. Slimy. Web-footed. Dead duck. Ask Pastor Carlos Simmons about it. He'll tell you. No, no. They told us don't eat it. And Pastor Carlos took a pinch of it. A pinch. And we could not get in the men's bathroom for two days. He got balooked. He learned how to listen to those in authority over him. <laughs> he may have a peaceful life. Okay. <laughs> to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And I don't have to try to qualify. God's radiation is surrounding me. The Bible says that when Peter walked down the street, people got healed by a shadow. It wasn't a shadow. It was, the radi it was the radiation, the power, the anointing of God that was so strong that if you got within six feet, maybe that's why they want us to stay six feet apart. I don't know. Wear a mask, keep your mouth shut, and stay six feet apart. Not going to happen. No, hasn't happened yet. Too late now. Verse 7, but we have this treasure, this, this glory, you already have it, and it's in an earthen vessel. Why? Because So that the excellency of the power of God may be from him and not from us. And I think on Thursday I talked about Gideon, so we've got a few minutes. I want to go to Gideon. That's in Judges chapter 6. We'll close over there. I think it's interesting, too. Moses trained Joshua, and Joshua didn't train up anybody after him, and so they went into judgment, into Judges. But what I found out years later was that the book of Judges had another book attached to it, the book of Ruth, Kinsman Redeemer. So even in the middle of all that judgment, God stuck the Redeemer on the end. Come on, Ruth the Moabitess. The Moabites were not allowed in the temple in Jerusalem. And a Moabitess is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. He's a forgiving God. He's a loving God. Chapter 6, Judges. 
Are you there? Let's pick it up in verse um, 4. Verse 3. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east. They came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till they came to Gaza and left no substance for Israel, not a sheep, not an ox, not an ass. For they came up with their cattle and with their tents. They came up like grasshoppers for a multitude or locusts, both them and their camels without, look at this, without number. And they entered into the, enter, into the land to destroy it. I like this story because it reminds me of we're just, as a church, as a church, we read through the Bible every year. And uh, we're in the book of Esther right now. And Haman built a gallows to destroy the Jews. And it backfired. Why do we read the Bible through as a, as a church? The same reason that the Israelites, every afternoon, they read the same passage in every synagogue or in every uh, J- Jewish home around the world because they believe that that keeps them united. And I, we've been trying to do it for here over years, but well, I, don't, I, I got my own Bible reading program. Well, then go ahead, but you're missing. Every time you do those little things, you're missing something that God has for your life, and you're wondering, why isn't it working for me? Because you won't do what you're told. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I know. I've been pastoring for 28 years. you got your own idea. No, it's Judges 17.5. They had no king in Israel, so everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. This, we are in a kingdom, and we have a king. His name is Jesus. He's not just our Savior. He's our Lord. And when he uses somebody that he's placed in authority to tell you something, well, I know better. I know. The point is not whether the guy that's telling you is right or wrong. The point is, are you going to obey or not? <laughs> If you obey and the guy that told you that was wrong, God can fix that. What he has a hard time fixing is you rebel yourself. Anyway, so so this is what's going on in the land. And they did not know what to do. And I don't want to read this whole story. You know, Gideon is sifting wheat in a wine press, and that's not where you sift wheat. You sift wheat high up on a hill so the, the chaff can get blown away and the, and the wheat will fall on the threshing floor. But he's hiding for fear. So he's living in fear. He's living in feel, fear and he's inferior. He is so inferior that we'll read about it here. So, but then an angel of the Lord came and sat under an oak tree near Ophrah that pertained to Joash. And, and his son Gideon threshed wheat there by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him. Now, whenever God speaks to you, he'll speak to your potential. You come, the Holy Ghost is your comforter and your guide. He's not your accuser. Revelation 12, 11 says that the accuser of the brethren is Satan. So if you ever get an accused, you're not doing this right, you're not doing that right, that's not God. Holy Ghost will come alongside with comfort, put an arm around your shoulder and walk with you and explain some things to you. It'll never be, oh, never, never. Do you all believe that? Good. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with you. Now, this is crazy. The Midianites are stealing everything. They got nothing left. And, and the angel says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Have you ever felt like that? Have you never ever? Just me? You never felt abandoned or left alone? Okay, so I'll deal with myself. All right. You mighty man of valor. You Gabor, you champion, you strong lion, you mighty man of valor. You're a man full of force. Valor means force, wealth, and resources. Hiding, sifting wheat. Can you imagine? He's probably all covered in white powder. <laughs> Can you picture this guy? The wind wasn't blowing it away. So what was happening? He was all covered in. He probably looked ridiculous. And Gideon said unto him, Oh, Lord, if the Lord is with us, if the Lord is with us, now you've never asked these questions. 
then why has this happened to me? And where are the miracles our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites? No, he would turn right to you and say, Oh, mighty man, mighty woman of valor. But Lord, I've been delivered into the enemy's hands. No, you, no, no. No, you can get out of you, you don't need to be a victim. And the Lord looked upon him and said, and what did he say? Go in this thy might, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Ha ha ha. No, you might feel like that today. Maybe you're sitting here today feeling like that. Huh? Why, why can't I never get a breakthrough? I'm telling you right here, right now. Then he said unto him, Oh God, how could I possibly save Israel? Now listen to what he says. <clears throat> listen to what he's going to say about himself, and then see if you can find yourself here. Because if you can find yourself here, you need to change your address. You need to be delivered out of the authority of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son in whom you have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sin, right? Look, look, look what he says here. He said, oh, my Lord, how could I save Israel? My family is the poorest family. We're the poorest bunch in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. I'm, the, I'm from the smallest tribe. I got no opportunities. I'm the poorest kid on the block. No, but here's God talking to him, but his inferiority stopped him from hearing the voice of God. God's got all kinds of word in here about who you really are, but if you're feeling inferior, you can't hear that. So it's kind of like in Numbers chapter 12, you know, they said we are grasshoppers in our own sight. They couldn't kill the giant because they couldn't kill the grasshopper. You have to kill the grasshopper in order to kill the giant. You got to see yourself as a royal priesthood. You got to see yourself in Christ, the new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. New in existence, new in time, new species. I'm the youngest member of the least of my father's house. Verse 16 is the answer, the only answer you need. Surely I'll be with you and you'll smite the Midianites as one man. Now, I'm not going to go through the rest of the chapter and the arguing back and forth and all that. I already had that in my own life. Yes, some of you may have too. Let's go to chapter 7. Now, Gideon had raised up, by this time he'd raised up an army of 32,000 people. But 32,000 people is nothing. When you think about, they were without number. The Midianites and the Amalekites, you couldn't number them all. So 32,000 isn't near enough people. And uh, Gideon and uh, the Lord, Gideon and all the people that were with him rose up and pitched beside the well Herod. And so the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill Morah in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that you were with are way too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands, lest you take credit for it yourself. God wants to do things in your life that you can't take credit for. Exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. How is this going to happen? John eleven forty. I told you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. I told you that if you would believe, you get to do the easy part. All you have to do is believe. Every day you're going to choose to believe something. No, no, you get to choose what you believe. Don't tell me that you can't believe. You believe in something all the time. Choose to believe the word of God. It's not a feeling. I choose to build my life on what the word of God says, whether I feel like it, whether it looks like it, whether it seems to be working or not, I'm stuck on the word. I got no choice. What choice do I have? Peter said, where can we go? You have the words of life. So, and so he said, you'd take credit for it. So he said, I want you to take the fearful and those that are afraid and send them home. Which makes sense because fear is contagious, as you can see in the world today. Right? So he sends them home. Then uh, 
Oh, yeah, now you still got too many. No, no, wait, now 22,000 just left. What are you saying there's too many? There's 10,000 left. I got 10,000 left. Do you want to take some of those? The Lord said to Gideon, there are too many. Bring them down to the water. And what he did was they took them down to the water. Now, remember Ephesians chapter 6, beginning of verse 10 through the end. The weapons of your warfare, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, the loin belt of truth, feet of preparation of peace, helmet of salvation, all that. You can't, you can't bend down on your knees and lap up water like a dog when you're fully armored. The only way you can do that is if you don't, if you if you're just careless. And so they knelt down. All but three hundred of them knelt down to get what. And so he said, they're not ready for battle. There were 300 that were prepared. They reached down and drank the water out of the palm of their hand because they were alert. They were watching like Nehemiah's troops, building with one hand and sword in the other. They were aware, they were alert that this is the last day. I have a friend over in Portland, Oregon. He said the church got in the habit of not going, and when this pandemic was over, they stayed home. This is the most important time for the church to be together ever that's why the devil is trying to keep it apart. Because he knows Isaiah 60, the darkness and the glory. He knows it's happening simultaneously. But, you know, wouldn't you, if you were him, try to stop it? Wouldn't you work your best knowing that your time is short? Knowing that a lake of fire is day and night and forever and forever? Wouldn't you be putting up a little resistance? So if you're not being resisted, it's because you're flowing in the same direction. <laughs> if you're being resisted, it's a good thing. Verse uh, 12, chapter 7, And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay on the valley floor like grasshoppers for a multitude, and their camels without number, as the sand in the seaside for a multitude. And along comes Gideon. Smallest tribe, poorest kid. Never ever had a good job. Always got the jobs that were left over. Sifting weed in a wine press. You think slinging burgers at McDonald's was tough? No, this is tough. A guy comes up to him and said, hey, Gideon, he said, there was a dream. He said, I had a dream. Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came into a tent and smote it, and it fell and over tent, the, tent, the tent, and it lay along. Barley is, was the poor man's, is the poor man's food. Like the kid with the loaves and fishes, he had some barley crackers. So barley, again, indicates the poverty that Gideon was living in. But that poverty rolled down into the camp of the Midianites. And let's read on and see what happens here. Verse um, 15. And it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he worshipped, that he worshipped. He, no, no, he believed the dream and the interpretation. If you believe what I'm telling you today, this is not Gary Hooper's words. You know that I have not said one word about, well, I did, yeah, things about the pandemic. But, but, but mostly this is Bible. This is God. God put his words down, his thoughts on paper, so that they could be, so they were written so that they could be spoken by you and I. So it's him talking to you. It's not me. He said, and so Gideon worshipped, he believed the dream and the interpretation. And he returned to the host of Israel and said, now he's got 300 people. His host is 300 people. Arise, for the Lord has delivered into your hand the host of Midian. That's what you ought to be saying when you leave here today. I'm going to rise up. God has delivered my enemies into my hands. Hallelujah. And he divided the 300 into companies, a trumpet in everyone's hand and a pitcher with fire in it. He had a pitcher with fire in it. Come on, they didn't have candles, they had fire. Matter of fact, you know, when you read about Abraham and Isaac going up to, the, to where he was going to offer up Isaac, they had the fire in a fire pot. You carried a pot of fire. You gathered up the ashes from your last fire to start. They didn't have a bick. They didn't have a zipper, a zippo lighter. They carried their fire with them from place to place. So these guys have got fire in a pot, and they've got trumpets. Strange battle plans by the Lord. He, sa he, he, he said unto them, Look upon me and do what I do. Behold, 
When I come to the outside of the camp, as I do, you'll do. When I blow the trumpet and all that are with me, then you blow the trumpets on every side of the camp all the way around and yell out the sword of the Lord and Gideon. So Gideon and a hundred men went on one side, a hundred on the other side and so on. And so they, they, when they, they set their watch, they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers with their hands. Now remember, we just read you have a treasure in an earthen vessel that the glory would be from him. And so your job, my job, is to blow the trumpet, worship God, and remove the flesh out of the way so that the fire of God can be seen. And let's read on. They broke the pitchers that were in their hands, and the three companies blew the trumpets, broke the pitchers, and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow and they cried, the sword of the Lord. They didn't even have a sword. The sword of the Lord and Gideon. And they stood every man in his place around about the camp. And all the host ran and cried and fled. And the 300 blew the trumpets. And the Lord set every man's sword against himself, even throughout the whole host. And the host fled to Beth, and so on, and so on, and so on. And the men of Israel gathered themselves and gathered up the spoil. Totally defeated the enemy. No, you don't need a big church. You need a church that will worship the Lord and, and, and die to the flesh. That's all. And it's so simple. You just go to the Garden of Gethsemane. If you don't know how to get there, look for Gary's path. It's Mark, Gary Hooper's path. It's well-worn because I've been there lots of times. Come on, Jesus only went once, but Paul the Apostle said, I die daily. So it's so my exercise is my exercise is very simple. I go and I say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Show me what your will is. Show me what your word is for me today, and we'll do that. And I pray and I obey. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land, wear the good of the land, drive the good of the land, and so on and so forth. If you're willing and obedient, it's not a mystery. One more verse. Can we do one more verse? Colossians chapter 3. Because we did it, um, I think, Thursday night. See, because the glory of God simply means death to the old man. That's all. Death to the old man. Let's read chapter 3. Just a couple of verses here. Verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, then you are. Then seek those things that are above. What's that? Ephesians 2, 6. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Where Christ sits, he's telling you where it is. Where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection, set your intelligence on the things that are above, not the things of the earth. Why? Because you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, you'll also appear with him in the glory. The rest of the chapter talks about how you put off the old man and put on the new man. How do you do it? How, how do I put off the old man? By saying, I mortify my members that are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is all adultery. For the which things are sacred, wrath of God's coming upon the children of disobedience, in the which I also walked at some time when I lived there. But now I also put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of my mouth. I stopped lying to one another, seeing I put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man, the pneuma man, the spirit man, renewed in the knowledge of him as the him that created me, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, black nor white or any other color. Barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Ooh, grab a hold of that one. Put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved. He just told you all the things you were doing wrong. And then in the middle of it all, he says, put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, forgiving, forbearing one another. If any man forgave you, even as Christ forgave, forgive you. And above all, put on love, the bond of maturity, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, 
making melody in your heart unto the Lord. What's he telling you? He's saying if you want to meditate something, meditate psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and make melody in your heart unto the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. How do I do that? I, I pray those verses over myself. And in, in my exercise, it's the same as putting on or putting off a coat. When I do that, I'm declaring that. Do I get through the whole day like that? Sometimes. But the more I say it, the more it becomes a part of me. And one day that chicken's going to break through the egg. Or that butterfly's going to go to Mexico. The world needs to hear what we know. How about we need to know what we know? We need to know more than we know we know. We just need to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.